tonight. Nature Boy Ric Flair and Sting team up to answer the taunting challenge of Harley Race and his horrible halftime, Colossal Kong. The Hollywood Blondes defend their world tag team titles against the Horsemen, Roma, and Anderson. And power meets strength when massive world champion Big Van Vader meets superpowered Davy Boy Smith in a no-disqualification war for the world's most prestigious bout. World Championship Wrestling presents Black of the Champions. Happy Hump Day, Grapple fans, and welcome to a rare midweek edition of Acceptable in the 90s. Episode 61 is a review of the 24th iteration of WCW's Clash of the Champions Network special. This one seems to have come quite quickly after the excellent 23rd Clash and a mediocre Beach Blast pay-per-view. But there is action to be had as titles are on the line and two top babyfaces with a storied issue in both the NWA and WCW combine to take on Harley Race's new supersized charges. And there is also a notoriously memorable debut on this show. So let's start by opening a can of something tasty and go across to Big Meaty Cool's Craft Beer Review. And today I have got the next in Northern Monk's Autumn Supermarket Core Range. It has been mostly stout heavy and this one promises to be the same as I have got a Choc Ice Stout. And I don't know what more you want when you ask what that is. It is apparently the perfect combination of chocolate and vanilla wrapped up together in a delicious stout. So I've given it a pour. Unfortunately the head does disappear quite quickly but I expect that a lot from the craft stouts to be honest so no hate here. It's very dark, I'm just holding it up to the light and I can't see through it, that's what I like in my stouts. It's got a very creamy aroma to it, very much what you'd expect from anything that's ice cream based if you like. Definitely a lot of vanilla there, I'm also getting a hint of coffee, which is in all the good stouts out there. And uh, hopefully there'll be some nice chocolate aftertaste in there as well. So without further ado ladies and gentlemen, let's let the BPMs take over our very souls while I pour this as far down my gullet as I can. Oh guys, do you know what? Now this stout is only 4.5%, but I think of the three stouts that I've had on these last three episodes, although the other two have been absolutely stunning, I've got to say that's my favourite. The vanilla's really strong in this, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I say, that's what you expect from a choc ice, let alone a stout with vanilla in it. And that chocolate's really starting to come through now, actually. But it's kind of like, you know when you take a bite from a choc ice for the first time, and initially you don't taste anything, and then that chocolate gets all melty at the back of your throat. That's really nice, and yeah, I think that this Northern Beauty is going to keep my spirits up for this review. Not giving too much away. So before we jump into the wrestling, let's take a truncated look at all of the midweek happenings on this day in history on Wednesday, August the 18th, 1993. The historical Kappelbruge footbridge in Luzerne, Switzerland was destroyed by fire. Named after the nearby St. Peter's Chapel, the bridge is unique in containing a number of interior paintings dating back to the 17th century, although many of them were destroyed. Subsequently restored, the Kappelbrook is the oldest wooden covered bridge in Europe, as well as the world's oldest surviving truss bridge. It serves as the city's symbol and as one of Switzerland's main tourist attractions. And that's it, basically, uh, the charts and the box office remain unchanged, so I won't waste your time. The 24th edition of the Clash of the Champions has a lot to live up to, as the previous Clash is probably one of the best editions of the special ever to be put on. We were treated to a fun six-man contest of Sting, Davy Boy Smith and Dustin Rhodes taking on Big Van Vader, Sid Vicious and Rick Rude. 
as well as a decent defence of the NWA World Heavyweight title by previous champion Barry Windham and 2 Cold Scorpio. But the real attraction from a storyline perspective was Ric Flair's glorious return to the ring, as he teamed with longtime friend and partner in the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson, in an unsuccessful bid to take the World Tag Team titles from the Hollywood Blondes. This edition of The Clash returned to the format of early editions, with fewer, longer matches taking the place of more matches with middling action. As for this current edition, the card looks really promising going by what we've already been promised on Saturday night every week. So let's see if lightning can strike twice, shall we? A crowd of 8,903 have packed the Ocean Centre in Daytona Beach, Florida, as Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura welcome us to the action. edition of Clash of the Champions, Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Mentor. A lot going on here tonight. I'll tell you what, Tony, I'm excited. I'm down here in Daytona Beach, Florida, and it was tough to get me off the beach again. I've been stuck at him, Tony. Fans, we do have an announcement to make that Flying Brian, one out of the World Tag Team Champions, is injured and will not be able to compete tonight. We have them standing by with these pre-recorded comments. You can all see clearly the career-threatening injury I've sustained in my ankle. Literally broke my heart when the WC doctors informed me that I would not be able to compete tonight. I, I know how greatly disappointed the fans of WCWR not being able to see the Blondes tonight. The Blondes are at Daytona Beach, and these champions won't be clashing, but uh, <laughs> Arn and Roma, maybe sometime down the road we can fit you in. Uh, tonight was supposed to be your big shot, and we apologize for that. But like I said, your time may come later. Well, since that injury, WCW has made an announcement and told the Hollywood Blondes they have to defend those World Tag Team titles tonight. So the Hollywood Blondes have decided to put Lord Steven Regal in Flying Brian's place. He tonight will become a Hollywood Blonde and along with Stunning Steve will defend the World Tag Team belts. I'll tell you what, Tony, it's just another move by WCW shyster lawyers. Painting the Blondes into a corner. You see the injury, why should he have to wrestle when he's hurt? It's one of three title matches as we go to the ring! So as you will have heard, there's a change to the scheduled card. As Lord Steven Regal, who was slated to take on Two Cold Scorpio in singles competition, is instead slotted in as Flying Brian Pillman's replacement in the World Tag Team Championship match, as he and stunning Steve Austin face the horseman team of Arn Anderson and Paul Roma. Pillman comes out with his allies on crutches, and Austin starts by sending Anderson to the corner, but gives a clean break. Anderson gets a shoulder block, but Austin answers with a clothesline, snapmare, and an elbow to the face, which only gets two. Austin then goes for the snapmare into an elbow again, before Anderson trips Austin and lands punches to the head. Anderson launches Austin over the top rope while the referee was with Regal, missing the blatant DQ. Austin holds onto the ropes but gets backdropped to the floor onto the opposite side. Austin pulls Anderson to the floor but Anderson responds with knees and left hand shots. Regal is then tagged into the ring and Anderson works the arm and brings in Roma. Roma starts with right hands and works the wrist before Regal escapes for a side headlock, followed by a shoulder block and front chancery by Regal. Roma escapes this though and lands a big scoop slam followed by a drop kick. Regal is now in the corner but manages to shove off Roma. Austin lands in an eagle knee from the apron though and Regal takes control. Before Austin tags in and lands an axe handle, Irish whip and an elbow before a massive suplex. Austin then chokes Roma before Pillman chokes him behind the referee's back. In comes Regal then with a kick to the ribs. Roma then tries a sunset flip but Regal counters and lands a senton for two. Regal sends kicks in the apron and a gut wrench suplex for two. Austin then tags in, but Roma manages to block him and send him into the turnbuckle. Roma lands punches, but Austin reverses an Irish whip and lands a knee to the ribs and an elbow off Brett's rope before Regal tags back in. Regal starts with shoulder thrusts, knees to the ribs and a knee to the chest. Regal then lands left forearms before tagging to Austin, who stomps all over Roma. Roma manages a small package, but Austin kicks out and beats on him some more. Anderson manages to strike with a left as Austin was too close to the corner, but Austin continues to rough up his partner. 
Austin's caught with a stun gun, but Regal interferes illegally with a big kick to the head. Anderson finally tags in, but the referee was with Regal, so it will not be allowed. Regal capitalises with European uppercuts, but Roma lands a sunset flip that Regal flips out of before Roma lands a really crisp-looking Enzagiri. Anderson gets the hot tag finally and gets a back body drop on Austin, but the DDT is blocked as Regal clubs Anderson in the back of the head. Sir William is on the apron with a crutch, but Anderson blocks being sent into it. Austin then crashes into Sir William and Anderson schoolboys him for the win and the titles in 9 minutes and 49 seconds. As an opening tag match, this was good. For a one-time pairing, Regal and Austin showed really good chemistry and Pillman and Sir William played their roles well. Jesse was at his absolute shithouse best as well, forgiving the heels everything but giving the faces nothing. And Paul Roma worked the babyface in peril role brilliantly. The crowd seemed really amped up to see a title change as well. But the biggest problem with this match, and it's only a problem if you care about behind the scenes happenings, is that the belts literally had to change hands overnight. You see, now that WCW were taking advantage of the Disney-MGM partnership as a cost-cutting exercise, several more weeks of TV were now being recorded than usual for all of the syndicated programming. Now this is particularly relevant here as the mammoth July 1993 tapings featured several matches and segments of Anderson and Roma showing off their WCW tag team titles. Not only that, but WCW had also recorded matches with the next team in line wearing the belts, which I'm not going to get to yet. Therefore, injury to Pillman or not, the Blondes were going to have to lose the belts tonight. This is also effectively the end of one of WCW's greatest tag team pairings as well, as the Blondes will appear together once again once Pillman returns, but not for long. Now this wasn't a bad match by any means, but the Blondes deserve to lose the belts in a better fashion than this, but I suppose you deal with injuries when they come. Welcome back to the Clash of the Champions here on TBS. I am here with the new World Tag Team Champions, Arn Anderson, Paul Roma. And gentlemen, it could have been a disaster. It's like preparing for the Super Bowl and finding out at the last minute the opposing team changes quarterbacks. But Arn Anderson, you guys pulled it off in a big, big way. Well, you know, let me tell you something. That's what the horsemen are all about. Willing and ready to adapt at any given time or moment. You know, there were a lot of people that said in the beginning that Paul Roman doesn't have what it takes to be a horseman. But this man right here, he believed in me, and that's all it took. And tonight, this is what it means to be a horseman. And I'm proud to call myself one. Eric, they say adversity introduces a man to himself. Well, they tried to pull the grand swerve on us tonight. Being a horseman means you think on your feet, and you adapt, you think singularly, and you work collectively towards one goal. This has been our goal. We know how hard it was to win these belts and how hard it's gonna to be to keep them. But for tonight, call us what you want, but you gotta call us champ. Congratulations! Let's get back down to the ring to Gary Michael Capetta. That's some nice babyface fire in your promo, Paul. But being a horseman is actually about shagging lasses and flying in private jets. You'll learn soon, son. You'll learn. Beautiful Bobby Eaton now finds himself in a much-deserved position on the card as he steps up to replace Lord Stephen Regal as Two Cold Scorpio's opponent. Both men begin with a lock-up and clean break to start. Eaton grabs a wrist, but Scorpio flips out of the hold so that Eaton catches him with a knee and a big right hand. Scorpio is sent to the floor but soon returns to the apron, landing a shoulder thrust into an O'Connor roll for two. Eaton comes right back with a clothesline, right hand to the face and a massive right in the corner, but misses a corner splash. A diving crossbody from Scorpio gets two, before Scorpio gets a drop kick and an arm drag into the arm bar. Scorpio lands headbutts before missing another crossbody. Eaton then chokes Scorpio using the ropes, but gets caught out by the referee as Scorpio lands big punches and plants Eaton on the top turnbuckle for a drop kick to the floor before Scorpio launches outside with a plancher. Scorpio sends Eaton to the turnbuckles a few times before Eaton lands a DDT to the arm. 
A swinging neck breaker and elbow drop from Eaton only gets two, but Scorpio fights back with right hands and chops before a spinning heel kick into the 450 splash gets two cold Scorpio the victory in 5 minutes and 29 seconds. Bobby Eaton is an all-time favourite of mine. An underrated worker who was part of a few good tag teams as well as the greatest tag team of all time in the Midnight Express. However, seeing him slide down the card when he had so much to offer still is a real shame. Equally, Scorpio is in something of an odd spot as well. He has all the tools to be a competent mid-card champion in WCW but seems to be stuck in a tag team with the bang average Marcus Alexander Bagwell. This match upon paper had all the tools to be a show stealer but neither man really seems to be firing on all cylinders. Therefore, this match never really found its gear. Quite unfortunate, really. After the break, 1993's runaway recipients of dreadful, never-ending feud of the year, Max Payne and Johnny B. Bad, square off in a mask versus guitar match. I don't want to watch these two have any more matches, so hopefully this is the last one. The match starts with Bad being dragged to the apron and having his legs smashed into the ring apron itself. Max lands a snapmare and elbows followed by some haymakers, but Bad rallies from a whip to the ropes with gut punches and clotheslines before Payne ducks a crossbody. Payne hits a sidewalk slam and rips off Bad's mask, but Bad had another mask underneath, seemingly borrowed from the Black Hearts. Gut punches and a head scissors by Bad look good, but Payne responds with a clothesline and hammerlock scoop slam before trying for the painkiller armbar, but it gets reversed into a small package by Bad for two. Payne lands a clothesline and two elbow drops before going to Brett's rope, but misses a splash and Bad covers for the win in two minutes and 38 seconds. Max Payne went for the big splash and he missed. And Johnny B. Bad is over here with Jesse Ventura. And he's got Norma Jean. Johnny, you got lucky. You scored the win. You won Norma Jean. What are you going to do with it? How does it feel to lose something? That means a lot to you, Max. And let me tell you something. I'm going to do something that you couldn't do, Max Payne. In three days on WCW, Saturday night, I'm going to reveal to the world what Johnny B. Bad really looks like. It's a good day to be a bad man! All right, your winner, Johnny B. Bad, and we'll be back with our player for the gold on TBS. So as you will have heard in the post-match comments, Bad reveals that he'll finally reveal his face to the crowd on WCW Saturday night this week. Because we've never seen what he looks like, you see. I know where they're coming from. It's to do with the glitter gun being shot in his face. But it's glitter, not napalm. I mean, what what do you want me to say? This is probably their best match together. But the feud has absolutely stunk. Payne is starting to get some cheers. And he has a good gimmick that works because he can actually play the guitar. Sadly for Bad though, he seems to be still trying to find his feet with his gimmick, and he will do eventually, but at the moment he is just interminable. And talking of interminable... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this special edition of A Flare for the Gold with your host, Nature Boy, Rick Flair. Also featuring Fifi the Maid. Tonight's special guests are Sting, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and their mystery guest. And now, Nature Boy, Rick Flair!
stars. And ladies and gentlemen, let me say before, I'll bring them out. They are by far the two most popular wrestlers in all of WCW. I'm talking about the Stinger and the British Bulldog. We're talking Fall Brawl 93. Now we're talking War Games. And guys, Stinger, you got a big match tonight with the Nature Boy and the Awesome Kongs. Bulldog, you got Big Ben Vader. But let's look past that. Let's look to Fall Brawl 93. And let's look at the War Games. You're cooking, aren't you? Woo Give one. Give one more time. Everybody's cooking. Now, the flesh tonight is cooking. Flesh for the goals cooking. Sting's cooking. The British Bulldog tonight. WCW World Heavyweight Championship match. The British Bulldog is cooking. Yeah. 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 cooking. Yeah. Hey, as promised. before you get carried away who their special tag team partner is, brother. You, you better cool down. Now you yeah, shut yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I'll cool down when I want to, Sting. It seems to me if you was as smart as you act like you are, you wouldn't have waited this close to war games to tell everybody who your partner is. Well, do you want me to tell you what I'm talking? No, you shut up what I'm talking. What the hell are you doing? where I wish I had R.D. Reynolds on speed dial, as you will have just heard the wrestle introduction of the Shockmaster. We're going to take a pause from the questionable action here to talk briefly about this debut and the man behind the mask. The Shockmaster was the WCW debut of recently released WWF wrestler Fred Ottman, a.k.a. Tugboat slash Typhoon. A man trained by the legendary Boris Malenko and Karl von Stroheim, but lumbered with incredibly corny gimmicks. However, he did have his moments in the WWF, and his time as a heel when first placed in the natural disasters with Earthquake would showcase his no-nonsense power-based repertoire. By 1993, though, he would be having snooze-fests in Sheffield with the Brooklyn Brawler, 
so the time would come for Otman to seek new opportunities. That opportunity would come thanks to his brother-in-law, Dusty Rhodes, who was part of the booking committee at WCW in 1993. Now, Dusty's booking as a whole has been a double-edged sword for many companies. This is a man who created some of the more memorable moments in wrestling for good reasons, such as the War Games match, but has also given us the Dusty Finish and the Shockmaster, which are memorable for bad reasons. Picture the scene at the clash, since all you've had is the audio. A flare for the gold segment designed to plug the War Games match at the upcoming Fall Brawl descends into inane promos back and forth. There's a new team with Sid Vicious and Colonel Parker by the name of Harlem Heat, who don't receive a formal introduction and must have debuted somewhere other than Saturday night, but that doesn't matter, before Sting attempts to right the ship by uttering the immortal words, All I have to say is that our partner is going to shock the world, because he is none other than the Shockmaster. Then... Boom! Lacklustre pyrotechnics fizz bang off. Bam! A large body bursts through the set walls like the Kool-Aid man, but as soon as he was through the wall, the Shockmaster was on the floor. The silver-studded Stormtrooper helmet rolled off his head. Ottman grasped for the helmet in a desperate attempt to save the segment, his ego, and perhaps his career. Meanwhile, the other wrestlers on the set can be heard laughing and cracking jerks. When poor Fred hits the ground... Flair exclaims, Oh God! Oh my God! And even his partner, Davy Boy Smith, can be heard saying, He fell on his ass! He fell right on his ass! Which is just inaccurate. He fell on his face! He fell right on his face! Add a cringeworthy voiceover by an audibly corpsing Early Anderson, And the circle of failure is complete. Now this gimmick was already bad without these errors, but could have been salvaged somewhat in time, had Fred Ottman not tripped over the poorly assembled wall that he was supposed to burst through. The helmet that Ottman had worn was adorned with silver sequin material, so visibility was poor. Add to the fact that the bottom part of the breakable wall was rigid and still connected, as notorious idiot of the Crockett family, David Crockett, nailed a 2x4 to the bottom of the wall to keep it up before it was needed, making for a trip hazard so hilarious that it killed a debut and a career. The character was already a goofy idea, but the delivery here only makes it goofier. But let's say for a moment that everything had gone according to plan. How is Guy in a glitter-covered Stormtrooper helmet any better? I mean, he looks like a creator wrestler set to random, it even borrowed one of the vests from the Colossal Kongs. There are fans out there that recall the Shockmaster being WCW's best debut, but it's for the wrong reasons. WCW will try to fix things, however, so we will get him for a while longer at least. Right, back to the programme, and thankfully WCW responded in, quite frankly, the best way possible, as Ricky Steamboat and WCW World Television Champion Mr Wonderful Paul Orndorff face off with the title on the line. Jesse Ventura is quite clearly still trying to process the Shockmaster debacle as Ricky strides out with a purpose. We start with a side headlock and shoulder blocks from Steamboat, but Orndorff struggles to break free from the hold. Steamboat lands a shoulder block and Orndorff ducks down, causing Steamboat to miss a crossbody and fly out of the ring. Orndorff lands boot after boot on the ramp and a diving elbow to the head for two. We get another side headlock from the champ this time, and Orndorff lands a scoop slam for two. We see a reverse chin lock applied from Orndorff, and then Steamboat escapes into a side headlock, but Orndorff still lands a knee lift into a hip toss, and reapplies the headlock. Steamboat responds with chops, but Orndorff hits a face buster for two. Steamboat is sent to the floor, but rallies back as Orndorff is sent into the buckle, and it's a diving chop for two. Steamboat lands a massive right palm thrust for two as well as a belly-to-back suplex for two. Steamboat chops Orndorff to the floor and then dives to the floor to wipe out Orndorff, who is then back on the apron and lands a shoulder thrust and a slingshot splash with the feet on the ropes for two. An O'Connor roll from Steamboat as Orndorff is distracted with the bell also gets two, but Orndorff rallies back and tries for the pile driver, but Steamboat counters and Orndorff is caught in a bridging pin for two. Then we get a backslide by the challenger for two. 
Arndorf then lands a clothesline to come back. Steamboat is whipped to the buckle, but Arndorf is caught with a boot to the face. A diving crossbody from Steamboat, but Arndorf rolls through for a two, but Steamboat manages to kick out. Arndorf goes for the scoop slam, but Steamboat counters with a small package for the win in 8 minutes and 49 seconds. Arndorf does manage to get his heat back though by pile driving Steamboat on the ramp onto the championship. champion but Orndorff now oh yeah look at this oh no he's gonna pile drive him right on the belt oh no oh is that called giving up your title with dignity or what it's called what Orndorff hey I don't blame Mr. Wonderful Steamboat should have been disqualified earlier in the boat and he got away with it Still to come in this program, Sting and Ric Flair together against the Kongs. Dustin Rhodes has a mystery partner. Who will it be? And the British Bulldog against Big Ben Vader. Disqualification rule waved. There you see your new television champion. Who's hurting, Jesse? We'll be back live on TBS after this. So nothing was going to make viewers forget the Shockmaster stuff, but my goodness this was a cracking match. I've enjoyed Orndorff being featured so prominently in WCW, but it has nothing to do with how WCW is presenting him. It's more a case of the fact that I like Orndorff from his run with the WWF in the 80s. Putting the TV title on him as a hateable heel was a good move, but the TV title is associated with being the workers' title. It's literally the belt that should have been welded to Arn Anderson as soon as he debuted. So the fact that it's now on a prominent worker in Ricky Steamboat, with Stephen Regal also stating his intentions to go for it, gives me an absolute chubby. As a match, this was slow to get going, but for all the right reasons. The time limit attached to the TV title at the moment, where you have 10 minutes where the title can change hands, but the match will continue regardless, works for WCW where old-style wrestling was celebrated, as it would hold the attention of the fan watching the clock at home. Therefore, tying this up within nine minutes was a nice little touch. The post-match attack probably leads to a rematch, but I'm excited for a Steamboat and Regal title feud. And assuming that Orndorff doesn't just disappear like Barry Windham seemingly has, he's a guy that doesn't actually need a title to remain relevant, as the parlor chance will get him by just fine. Hopefully this match will now lead to the rest of the Clash improving immensely. All right, fans, welcome back to Clash of the Champions live from Daytona Beach. As you heard, Ric Flair and a Flair for the Gold talk about the big pay-per-view event coming your way. Fall Brawl, live on pay-per-view on Sunday, September 19th. It'll come live from Houston, Texas, and the Astro Arena featuring War Games, the match beyond. It'll be the giant man we saw, the Shockmaster, the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, Sting and Dustin Rhodes on one team, Harlem Heat, Sid Vicious, and their partner will be Big Ben Vader. You've seen War Games, the match beyond. It is wild. It's wild, it's dangerous, and it's coming to us from Houston, Texas, Tony, with all those Texicans. And fans, we've had two title matches so far and two new champions, new world tag team champions, new world television champion. We may see a third new champion before the night is over the British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith. But coming up next will be Sting and Ric Flair together against over 900 pounds of the Colossal Kongs. It'll be a great matchup, and I'll tell you what, Tony, in this clash, we've seen just about everything there is to see, from wild entrances to two title changes, and as you said, a third maybe in the offing. Standing by right now is Eric Bischoff with Harley Race and the Colossal Kongs prior to their matchup against Sting and Ric Flair. Eric? Thanks, guys, and in just a few moments, the Kongs, Harley Race, will be making their way to the ring to meet Ric Flair and Sting. This thing all started last Saturday night on TBS, and it's going to end here tonight. Harley Race. Well, let me tell you this, Eric. Flair, you made the biggest mistake you ever made in your life when you sucker punched me on national television. I had the trap baited the way I wanted it. Now you added insult to it. When these two monsters get done with you, and the likes of the Stinger, 
there will be a small little grease spot in the ring for the existence of Ric Flair and for the existence of the Stinger. Flair, nobody insults me. This show, fellas. They're making their way to the ring. This match coming to you right after this timeout. Don't go away. Oh, never mind. Harley Race brings those two fat bastards, the Colossal Kongs, to face two men who deserve better. The man called Sting and the NWA World Heavyweight Bastard Champion, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Oh, you've got to build a couple of fatties, and it's not like there couldn't be a title match between Flair and Sting instead. Oh, no. Tony Schiavone focuses on the little stinger who looks anything but little. This is America, after all. And David Flair's in the crowd as well, looking totally normal. The faces block a double clothesline and Sting drop kicks and slams both the big fat bastards effortlessly as Flair flips out on the apron. The match soon breaks down though and Flair is brawling on the floor while Sting batters one Kong in the ring before Harley Race grabs his leg to halt him. Sting avoids an elbow drop, lands more drop kicks and a clothesline to one of the Kongs. He then hits a Stinger splash, climbs up high and hits a diving splash to win the match via pinfall in 2 minutes and 14 seconds. Waste of my fucking time. Look, on the one hand, you've only announced the title bout between Sting and Ric Flair on the Saturday previous. So yeah, you might want to give the fans seven days to process it and spread the word to their mates. But this is Clash of the Champions, not Clash of two superior workers that don't deserve this ridiculous and two fat bastards. Harley Race has already got a fat bastard and he's ace. Also, by doing this, the mystique of these big bruising butterballs is now dead. Nice one, Dusty. Well, we mentioned the Kongs had never been taken off their feet. It didn't take long for Sting and Ric Flair to win that match here on TBS Live Clash of the Champions. But now, this Saturday, it's for the NWA title, one-on-one -on, -one on WCW Saturday night. Well, Tony, it really didn't look to me as if a thing needed any help at all tonight. After all, I just came out here to make sure Harley Race didn't stick his nose in, Stinger did the rest. But this Saturday night is a different story because Saturday night, my friend, you and I, we renew it, we go at it, we go get it, and brother, as I've said to you, you might be the Stinger, but I'm the nature boy. That's right. You are the nature boy. And that's right, I am the Stinger. 10 times world heavyweight champion right here. Saturday night, I'm hoping I can make it four times for me. Win, lose, or draw. Nature boy, I got a lot of respect for you. The feeling is mutual. There's only a few men in this sport whose hand I will shake, whose side I will stand by, and whose heart I will hold, brother. You're the stinger, I'm the nature boy. We might not be best friends, but we know how to do it. Woo! It's this Saturday for the NWA title on TBS. We'll be back with the mystery partner right after this. Can you imagine the sheer amount of fanny these two would snag together in the bars of Florida afterwards? Don't bear thinking about. We now get out of our misery as King of the Mystery Partner gimmick, the natural Dustin Rhodes, and a mystery partner take on the oddest double act since Martin Clunes and Neil Morrissey, ravishing Rick Rude and the Equaliser. Dustin Rhodes comes out on his own before a car comes out and Road Warrior Animal appears out of it. It looks like he's going to team with Dustin Rhodes, but it's all a swerve to throw off the baddies, and Hawk's in instead. Hawk and Rude start us off, who launches Rude into the corner and wants the test of strength, but Rude is hesitant. They go for it though, and Rude is on his knees and has his hand stepped on. The equaliser comes in and locks up with Hawk, who gets an Irish whip and a dropkick. Hawk follows the equaliser outside and back into the ring, leading the equaliser to capitalise with boots and an Irish whip, which Hawk tries to turn into his patented neckbreaker, 
but doesn't account for the equaliser bloody falling over in the hold. Hawk lands a diving punch and clotheslines instead, but equaliser lands a big boot in the corner, which is the nicest thing I've seen from him in three weeks, and hits elbows before tagging Rude in for the double team. Rude applies the camel clutch, but Hawk stands up in the hold and tags in Rhodes. We get a sloppy doomsday device before Rhodes runs wild with back body drops and white hands. Rude avoids a monkey flip and clotheslines Rhodes. Rude then climbs up top and lands a diving chop. The equaliser and Rude stomp on Rhodes before equaliser drops the elbow for two. There's a choke slam off the ropes by equaliser and then Rude tags back into the match. We get throat thrusts from Rude who then makes the tag to the equaliser. The equaliser clotheslines Rude by mistake however and Hawk comes in and clubs everything in sight landing a massive double clothesline. There was no official tag though because a tag match breaking down is WCW's forte but we have a double face buster. Rude and Equaliser are then clotheslined to the floor and then Rude is suplexed into the ring. The Equaliser clotheslines Hawk to the floor and tries a scoop slam on Rhodes but Hawk lands a diving shoulder block to push Rhodes on top and we have winners in 6 minutes and 55 seconds in what was actually quite an interesting finish. So the Road Warriors are seemingly back, which is nice, but as much as I like Rhodes, I'd have rather had Hawk and Animal together here. The chemistry for the faces was off, and it kind of ruins the return of a team. But to be fair, I think Animal still might have been getting over his debilitating back injury and couldn't work a full match. So we'll see how things go, but if this is leading to Hawk being a singles act, you can count me out. This was a better tag match than what preceded it, but it was still only average. A tag match is just an odd way to go with Rude and Rhodes. The equaliser is dreadful, and Road Warrior Hawk should only be tagging with one other man than Animal, and that's Kensuke Sasaki. In fact, again, because it's called Clash of the Champions, isn't there a US title to be contended for by Rhodes and Rude? Wouldn't that be a better placed match on a show called Clash of the Champions? Welcome back to Daytona Beach. Clash of the Champions from the Ocean Center. So far in this evening's festivities, well, we've had a plateful. Good to have you with us. Tony Schiavone back with Jesse Body Ventura. Before we go to the WCW world title being decided between Vader and the British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith, we have, Jesse, as you know, two champions already changing hands, including the Horseman and including Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Absolutely. Two out of two right now have been title changes. Can there be a third, Tony? Well, guys, I think you can tell I'm disappointed by what I've seen. But after a night of forgettable action, we now go to our main event as WCW World Heavyweight Champion Big Van Vader, accompanied by his manager, Harley Race, defends the title against the artist no longer legally allowed to be known as British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, and we already know he's cooking, as the stipulation here is that the title can change hands on a disqualification. This match starts with a takedown on the ramp. Smith lands a flurry of rights, which Vader happily reciprocates. There's a short-arm clothesline and a suplex on the ramp by Bulldog that Vader bumps like a champ for. Smith then whips back into the ring towards Vader, who lands a knee thrust to hobble him. Vader takes control in the ring with massive rights and lefts in the corner, before her headbutt by Vader. Smith is out on the floor and Harley Race looks to help Vader out, leading him to miss a splash against the guardrail. Bulldog suplexes Vader onto the apron and then lifts him up for a Samoan drop, which only gets two. Vader manages to club down Davy Boy and lands a massive elbow to the groin. Vader lands rights and lefts and a clothesline as well as a Samoan drop of his own and a diving splash for two. Vader misses a sit-down splash from the ropes though, leading Davy to try for a cover for two. Vader whips Smith into the turnbuckle and is down and Vader splashes him on the back. There's an Irish whip and Smith ducks a clothesline and gets the crucifix pin for two. Another right hand by Vader followed by clubbing blows in the corner. He then goes to the top rope but Davy manages to land a lovely dropkick and Vader crotches himself and falls down. The Bulldog pummels Vader in the corner and then stomps an absolute mud hole. There's a corner foot choke from Smith but Vader manages to stand up and land a boot to take him down. The Vader bomb connects but Smith kicks out at two. Harley Race cannot believe that didn't end it for Vader who then calls for the end of this match trying for a Brett's rope crossbody but Davy counters it for a power slam. Referee Randy Anderson is too close though and caught by the legs of Vader on the rotation and is out for the count. 
Smith then looks for a suplex, but Race clips his leg, with Vader falling flat on top of Bulldog to retain his championship, while Race brawls with Bulldog. Vader joins in to continue the punishment, when all of a sudden... Let's get the official word on this match! The winner is still champion, Van Vader! Big Van Vader is still the champion, Harley Race! Counting on our Megan Davy Boy, counting on Harley Race. And Big Van Vader is still the heavyweight champion of the world. Well, I'll tell you what, Tony, Davy Boy Smith is not lucky. Look at this! It's Cactus Jack! Wait a where did he come from? The last time we saw him! Fans, we are out of time! Cactus Jack is back, and we'll see you this Saturday with Flair and Sting for the NWA title on TBS. Yes, guys, Cactus Jack remembers who he is and who did what to him. It's all very abrupt, as you would have heard, but it's a good visual to close the show. And with it ending the show, we now go to my final thoughts. So thoughts on the main event are positive from me. It was a very good power-based contest where both men gave good accounts of themselves with some stiff, solid action. The ending worked well too, with Cactus Jack returning to claim his pound of flesh against Vader, so I can understand why the finish had to be such. But it simply isn't enough to take the bad taste out of my mouth over this show as a whole. The previous clash had done away with the bloat of putting everyone on the card in throwaway matches, having a card of five matches that were all good to great. Meanwhile, this show has seven matches, three of which are completely awful, one of which, the tag title contest, is being forced to happen, one of which is serving to keep the US title in our minds when a US title match would have been better, and only two matches the TV title match and the main event are actually being worthy of being on a Clash card. Furthermore, the time that really should be going to any of these matches to make them a bit more worthwhile is given to a terrible flair for the gold segment, which was already bad and was only made worse by the Shockmaster stuff. Now the Shockmaster debut does need to be seen at least once by every wrestling fan just for the horror of it, blah blah blah, but overall Barring the two matches I enjoyed, this is probably the worst Clash of the Champions I've ever seen. 1993 started well for WCW, with a lot of promise of new stars and a boss keen to rectify WCW's standing at Turner. But the transition is now looking like a bad move overall. But hopefully, things will start changing for the better. guys the match of the night was a genuine back and forth for me between the TV title match and the main event but the TV title match shaded it for me for reasons that I'll get into shortly. Orndorff is an excellent old school shitty heel and Steamboat has received a massive shot in the arm since he returned to singles action therefore that match claims the crown. The award for superstar of the night goes to Davy Boy Smith but it was something of a sad decision for me. This guy could have been so much more for WCW in 1993, where Eric Bischoff was trying to make them something more of an international powerhouse. Now I remember at the time that WCW was going on something of a tear on children's TV and breakfast television, featuring the likes of Johnny B. Bad, Dustin Rhodes and Davey Boy, who was recognisable from his WWF days and had just recently come off a massive Wembley Arena show for that company. 
He was an internationally recognisable figure, just built to be the figurehead for WCW on a worldwide scale, giving them a legitimacy that would result in their TV programmes being more readily available and viewed by an international audience. I mean, could you imagine WCW Saturday night being shown on ITV at 6.05? That would be incredible. I mean, we've got Metal Mickey instead. Anyway, giving him a 3-6 month run with the world title after Super Brawl would have been massive for WCW in looking to achieve this. You could still have the team with Sting, you could still have the storyline programme with the Martyrs of the Powerbomb, he could even have lost the belt back to Vader in this match so that war games could go ahead. Instead, he just looks like the guy who looks good, has amazing power, but can't win the big one. I mean, this match right here at the Clash of the Champions is the best Davy Boy match I've seen in WCW so far. And that's why he gets my superstar of the night, because he was legitimately having his working boots on tonight. But a big title run would have even been a shot in the face of the WWF, who had failed to pull the trigger off Davey while they had him. But rather, it's left to speculation how big WCW could have been around the world if they'd just stepped outside of their comfort zone. The highlight of the night, I suppose, goes to the Shockmaster debut, but it is a highlight for all the wrong reasons. Much like the Dungeon of Doom debuting on a Clash in 1994, it's probably the only reason that fans will watch this edition of The Clash to begin with. And the low light of the night is the reminder that WCW has a massive mountain to climb to be seen on the same level as WWF, but they make it so hard for themselves as well. From an in-ring perspective, yes, you've got Ricky Steamboat, Big Van Vader, Ric Flair, Sting, Arn Anderson, Lord Steven Regal, Rick Rude, and the Hollywood Blondes. But you also have the Cole Twins, the Texicans, the Kongs, Worcester's hardest man Yoshi Kwan, Johnny B Bastard Bad, Jesse Ventura's commentary most weeks, The Equalizer, a US title in Mothballs, Dusty Rhodes as Booker, Ole Anderson bringing back fond memories of the Black Scorpion, the realisation that the Blondes are effectively dead, the sad realisation that Sir William isn't dead, I could go on. The WWF currently has nowhere near the level of potential that WCW does in 1993, but they're the market leader because they know how to make what's bad look better, or make us look back on the bad more fondly. I hate the idea of Bastion Bugger, but I've looked back on the character fondly when I realised his debut was coming up a while back. That shouldn't be able to happen, but it shows you why the WWF were leaders for so long. But what WCW do have, what the WWF didn't, was an NWA World Heavyweight title match between Ric Flair and Sting, and we'll get to that on Saturday. So sorry for the negativity. Have a lovely rest of the week, and in the meantime and in between time, stay beefy, mm, meat cider.